This podcast contains strong language, adult humour and is intended for a mature audience. Hello and welcome to Is It Art Though, the art history podcast that keeps your highbrow on fleek. With me, Ellie. And me, Augustina. So as the festive season is very much upon us, dear listeners, we thought that it would be quite nice to do a kind of short but quite merry episode about the one and only baby Jesus. Indeed. Because what is Christmas about, Augustina, if it's not about celebrating the little baby Jesus? (laughs) Or more specifically... The little old man ripped baby Jesus. <laughs> old man, ugly, comb over, baby Jesus that you find in uh, medieval paintings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he's not on the front of every Christmas card. <laughs> I'm surprised oh he's not. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Every nativity play has like a doll that's been doctored. <laughs> I really want a Christmas card with ugly old man baby Jesus on it now. But before we launch into the kind of art, which I'm going to hand over to Augustina to run us through as our resident medievalist in the room, (laughs) I thought it would be kind of nice to talk a little bit about our Christmas and and what we're doing in the Is It Art Though uh, house to to mark the birth of ugly old man comb over stacked baby Jesus. (laughs) It's been a kind of interesting time, as I'm sure many of you around the world know, the Omicron variant is, it's on tour. And it's, (laughs) that motherfucker's on tour, (laughs) in the words of Cardi B. Um, So we've been trying to actually stay at home a bit more at the moment, which means we've been plumbing the depths of Christmas Netflix. Oh my God, we have watched so many shit Netflix films. So one of our favourite things to do is watch really trashy films on Netflix and just make fun of them the whole way through. And um, so far, my personal favourite has been the night before. (laughs) The night before Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, so you were watching it and I kind of walked in partway through. Don't reveal to people that I was watching this by myself. (laughs) People listen to this. Yeah, Yeah, I was was watching it alone. (laughs) But then I got sucked in. So for those of you who are not as I feel with uh, trashy Netflix films as me, The Night Before Christmas is a Vanessa Hudgens film and you will find that Vanessa Hudgens stars in a lot of Christmas films. And in this particular one, a medieval knight gets magically transported to Idaho in 2020. (laughs) I had a lot of questions about this film like practical questions but one of my questions was if you watch a lot of time travel films they tend to transport you to the same place (laughs) i like that he went from medieval england to idaho he went from like medieval norwich as as, as norwich to idaho was really like unless they decided that idaho was like the norwich of america (laughs) I don't know. American listeners, please tell us. Yeah. I was going to say, is it like the Midwest? I don't know where it is. I have I don't, no idea where it is. And I also don't actually know where Norwich is, come to think of it. Norwich is... Is that the Mideast? Because, like, that's where Alan Partridge is from, isn't it? Yeah. Norwich, because he does Radio Norwich. Yeah. Um, Wait, Idaho. Where is it? Idaho is... 
I guess it's Midwest. That's like West, isn't it? It's near Washington. But wait, is that the can- the Canadian line? <laughs> <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> Canadia is a country that would be in a Netflix Christmas <laughs> film. <laughs> it's the Prince of Canadia. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's uh, th- yes. Yeah, so, We're very near to Canadia. Yeah, so that must just be in the north then, right? Idaho must just be in north, north, northwest. Yeah, because if you think never eat shredded wheat, north. Yeah, that's yeah. west. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so another great thing about uh, these trashy Netflix Christmas films is they're all in made-up European countries that have never existed. So like Moldova, Moldova, Belgradia. Okay, okay, okay. So we're watching. So just so you know, we've ha- we have the princess switch on pause, and once we finished recording this, we're going to go back and finish it. They're in a country called Belgravia. <laughs> Which is a place, it's like an area of London, firstly. <laughs> it's not even a made-up country because no. Belgravia exists. Belgravia is apparently some kind of pan-Swiss country <laughs> that has, like, but, Alps. But all of the, basically, all of the royals are inexplicably British. But they all have Italian surnames. They all have, yeah, they all have Italian surnames. And everywhere is just log cottages <laughs> and, like... It makes no sense. And for some reason, they have like a world-leading ballet conservatoire. <laughs> yeah, so won't you tell me, someone someone has a theory about the Netflix Christmas universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> um, I saw this on social media and shout out to my friend Andrew Peake. It, it was him I said I saw see, saying this on social media. So basically, there's a fan theory that the Netflix universe is set inside an alternate reality where the white army were victorious in the Russian civil war. And so basically the reds never won, communism never happens, the USSR never happens. And what that means is that (laughs) Europe just basically descended into lots of tiny principalities that are all still ruled over by like absolute monarchs, Yeah, um, which is hilarious. And I think (laughs) one of the things I kind of love about this as well though, is it's kind of like, I mean, I like the alternate reality thing anyway, but also I just, <laughs> what do Americans think of us? Specifically, whoever makes the Christmas films. I think there's like a whole troglodyte group of people who only come out at Christmas. <laughs> like cicadas every 18 years yeah. or like, you know, like groundhogs or something. The famous grouse, that's a drink you literally never see until Christmas. Yes, it's true. People who make Christmas films, like somebody has to plug in Mariah Carey every year, yeah. So she just comes back out of the grave. <laughs> Mary Berry is dormant yeah. in a pod somewhere until Christmas, <laughs> cryogenically frozen. Mary Berry's in suspended animation until December. So with these Netflix films, every European country looks like Switzerland, <laughs> sounds like Britain has a bit of a French flavour to it, yeah, usually. Yeah, there's always a bit of a French flavour. Mysterious Italian surnames <laughs> seems to be... So that's how they go, okay, everyone's posh in English, but how do we make it, like, not English and European? Let's give everybody Italian surnames. <laughs> but also, like, you know the way... You know the way, for a while, it was a big thing that you had to keep reminding people that Africa wasn't a country. That yeah. actually it was a massive continent that was incredibly yeah. diverse and had lots of different cultures and religions. And yeah. I feel like we have to start doing that for our american friends that were like europe's not a country (laughs) 
There is very few similarities between Switzerland and England. They're both cold. Switzerland's cold in a more picturesque way. Yeah. <laughs> God, what was that absolute dire one we watched last year? The champion ice skater who... Uh, came to report on some ice skating thing in Moldovia, whatever it was called, and she meets the prince. He has like a daughter or, or a... Oh, yeah. And the, obviously the wife has died. It's very tragic. And then she, the daughter's really good at ice skating and she absolutely hero worships this American ice skater who's come over. And, and of course, like she only came to report on it, but obviously, of course, because of a whole series of of incidents she has to do the ice skating in, in the big pageant will she be able to do it has it been too long is she t- no everything's great and then she marries the prince or whatever inevitably the brash american woman teaches the prince how to love christmas again and yeah. they live happily ever after yeah can i just take this time for our american friends to do a little bit of a public service announcement royal families are quite rare in europe <laughs> There's not a lot of them. They're mostly (laughs) republics. Yeah, we're mostly republics now. We've got a royal family. We're the exception to the rule. They're still quite rare. (laughs) Also, contrary to what you would see in the Christmas films, they don't come and give us personal visits. They don't give us candy canes. They don't wrap presents and personally give them to small children. And also, I know the Meghan Markle thing confused a lot of people, but they also don't marry commoners and they don't marry Americans. Yeah, that's very rare. Last time it happened, it didn't go very well. It's happened again. It's not gone very well. (laughs) So, yeah. On the whole, it doesn't really happen. Yeah, it wouldn't happen as often as Christmas films would lead you to believe. But but sorry, we have to get... We've gone off track because... I'm sorry, the night before Christmas Oh, the night before is an incredible film like it kind of sits slightly outside of this netflix christmas universe because there aren't any made-up countries but we have come from a made-up time because whoever this night guy was he comes from apparently comes from medieval times in norwich his name is sir cole sir cole there are no british people called cole if you ever meet a british person called cole their parents were American. Yeah. <laughs> there were no British people named Cole. Really, what would happen is he'd, he'd do like Sir Bertilac or something. Yeah. If he had a proper 13th century English name, right? But basically, he gets magicked into the present day by a crone. Who he calls a crone quite often, which I think probably is one of the more historically accurate bits of this. Yeah, his attitude (laughs) towards older unmarried women. (laughs) Crone! So she, because he gives her a jacket or so, I don't know, it's snowing, he's kind to her. So she magics him to Idaho because that's clearly what every medieval knight needs. Yeah. (laughs) It's what he's been longing for in his heart. He has like a special Christmas quest. He has to achieve before Christmas Eve, which is hence the, the night before Christmas, right? And he doesn't know what his quest is. And what we learn about this guy is that Sir Cole is like a whingy little bitch who keeps going <laughs> on and on about how he has this bloody quest. <laughs> and he doesn't know what it is. Even though uh, to pretty much everybody who's watching the film, it's obvious that his quest is to like kiss Vanessa Hudgens, basically. (laughs) (laughs) But when he gets magic to Idaho or wherever, Vanessa Hudgens hits him with his car. Um, and then he runs around going on about how he's a medieval knight and they all think he's mentally unstable. 
And she decides, and they believe he's probably mentally unstable because he's been hit by a car. Yeah. And so she decides that the best course of action is to not take him to a treatment centre or a hospital, but instead to just let him stay in her house. <laughs> yeah. Maybe because she doesn't want to pay out on the insurance she Maybe takes into her house. And actually, that says a lot about Vanessa Hudgens in this film, and we should think about that. The fact <laughs> that rather than literally pay for this man's healthcare, given that she could have mentally damaged him for life... <laughs> She's like, I'll just move you into my house and maybe sort of kind of get you to have a relationship with me. That is manipulative. <laughs> but anyway. Somebody needs to call the safeguarding team. <laughs> <laughs> he moves into her house and her sister is... So you find out Vanessa Hudgens was in a relationship that has ended and ever since then she's not got together with anyone else. This this slightly... This, this guy who's acting a bit wacky, her sister's like... That coal guy seems really nice. In <laughs> fact, he seems like the full package, apart from believing he's a medieval knight. Yeah. <laughs> like, I what? think the thing that blew our minds entirely, though, throughout the whole film is just how incredibly historically inaccurate it was. Like, coal is <laughs> I mean, so I know chill. you don't go to Netflix films for historical accuracy. Yeah. I was saying to you, there's a film with Meg Ryan and Hugh Jackman, where Hugh Jackman comes from, like, Victorian times to the present day. And... The writers clearly thought, what would this person be totally, like, gobsmacked by in the present day? So Hugh Jackman's freaked out by cars and everything is making his his mind explode. Cole is so chill with everything. He's like, oh, yes, you're... you're sort of your your steed which is a car he's totally chill with the he's idea totally that chill he also can somehow drive he, a car yeah oh yeah he just mag- magically knows he, he, how to drive he, a car I, I can't drive a car but also gears just, and clutch and he wouldn't even be able to understand the concept of america like yeah. not really that country <laughs> like, didn't exist yeah. well, well i mean it obviously it did exist yeah, but yeah. i mean you know he, he wouldn't have been aware that this whole country existed what else was he chill with he was chill with alexa he was chill with alexa i said this when we were watching the film i was like i am a millennial i was born in 1991 i'm still freaked out by alexa <laughs> yeah. like, and this guy just took it in his stride he was like oh lady alexa <laughs> He, his mind was blown by hot chocolate, which I think is fair. Um, <laughs> as a medieval person, chocolate is mind-blowing. That didn't yeah. happen for a long time. But I also said this when we were watching the film. You're, as a medieval person, even a knight, you really would have just been sucking on turnips most of your life. He turns up in modern-day uh, Idaho and literally proceeds to eat every, like, burger and hot dog <laughs> yeah. that comes his literally way. Literally all he like, eats He is... would be doubled over in agony. He would be so ill. Yeah. He's never, ever experienced refined sugar or, like, processed meat in his life, and yeah. now it's all he lives off. Because <laughs> that was the other thing, wasn't it? Because he was trying to kill something, wasn't he? He was trying to kill a possum <laughs> with his sword. Yes. He was trying to kill a possum with his sword to, like, to roast it, spit roast it on a fire. Also... I don't know much about, I'll be honest, I don't know much about the lives of medieval knights, but I feel like once you've got to knight status, you're not hunting your own food. I'm going to go ahead and say somebody's supplying you with food. I think maybe when you're on a quest or something, you might have to go get your own food. But you have a squire to help you with that kind of thing. But yeah, he's chasing after a possum. (laughs) (laughs) And basically, um, (laughs) Vanessa Hudgens was like, no, 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 it's okay, we'll go and get food. And so they go to a diner doesn't bat an eyelash like eyelash eyelid i don't know he doesn't he he's not phased by the fact that food is brought to you almost instantly like there are taverns and stuff back in the day but 
you just go, I would like a hot dog. And someone goes, here is a hot dog. And you're <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, how does that work? There's so many things about this film that just blew my mind. He wasn't really that phased by, like, mobile phones. No. He wasn't really that phased by the TV. He wasn't freaked out by the radio or the TV. There is a magic box with a little man in it. Yeah. <laughs> I took, yes, that was the thing that bothered me the most. If I had lived in the, like, 13th century and someone brought me to the present day... I'd just go around turning taps on and off and being like, <laughs> there's water in here? Like, you can just drink oh that! He just, he just got a shower like it was the most normal thing in the world. There's he hot just... water coming out of a hole in the wall <laughs> whenever you want. Yeah. Like, what? Like, there's so many things that he was just like, oh yeah, sure, this is fine. I was like, how are you so accustomed to this? <laughs> I don't understand. And all the way through, Vanessa Hudgens is just like, yeah, you know what? I think this guy's the one for me. Even yeah, though, even... despite the fact he thinks he's a medieval knight. Yeah, so you also have to appreciate that, yeah, all the way through, this Vanessa Hudgens just like, oh, you know, he's probably just recovering from a car accident. <laughs> There's also this great bit where he calls her virtue into question and oh, she's yeah. just like, totally yeah, chill with that. she's totally chill with him just calling her virtue into question. I don't think he went as far as saying, did that man deflower you? But it was something along those lines. He betrayed you and ruined you or something. He betrayed you and ruined her you. Her ex-boyfriend. And she didn't go, steady on Cole, that's a bit... Much. That's a bit sexist. Oh yeah, does he not also just think this was the other thing that I was like, surely that would bother him. She's like an unmarried woman who makes her own money and just sort of lives her he's he's not bothered by that at all. In many ways he's a remarkably modern thirteenth century guy. (laughs) Like that bit when they were in the diner and she was just like talking to him about her past heartbreaks. I'm like, he would have strung you up as a whore. Yeah. like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, very forward thinking for his time, I must say. Sir Cole. Yeah, it's just, and then and then the best bit was just when they managed to like time travel a whole horse as well at the end of the film. They just magicked a horse to the present day. So now she's got to stable his fucking horse as well. Like, not only has he come back, <clears throat> she's... You, know, you know when you're like, you know when guys slowly start moving in on you, and you're yeah. like, bro, this isn't a fucking orphanage. Like, <laughs> it just like breaks a horse. <laughs> First, it's I a got, toothbrush. I got stressed out when my ex-boyfriend left a pair of underwear here. I was just like, mm. and then he brings a horse. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a, oh my god, it's so funny. Like if you really want to have a good laugh at something that's just so bad, like it's so badly written. It's incredible. We, it's made my Christmas. It was actually so good, <laughs> and I'm also really excited because speaking of other really badly written things, Emily in Paris has started today. So tomorrow, my plan is to wrap all my presents and, and watch, watch Emily, Emily in Paris, Paris. again. So badly written, so, so implausible. I'm travelling. I'm I'm going to see family for Christmas, um, and I've already sort of thought I can't believe I'm admitting this to you and also anybody who listens to this podcast. But I've also thought I'm going to download the Princess Switch too on my phone and watch that on the train wow we've not even got to the end of the princess switch one <laughs> and there's a princess switch three <laughs> how many times are they going to switch vanessa hudgens with vanessa hudgens how and, many times and also is it just her and that duchess are they just going to keep switching backwards and, backwards forwards? and forwards because after all i think the jig would are be up by film three some, do, you reckon, <laughs> do you reckon eventually they're just going to get into some weird like polyamorous relationship wife swapping. <laughs> like, <wife> swapping. <laughs> yeah by film three yeah. They all just live in one big house together and... (laughs) The kid's like, this isn't what I wanted at all. (laughs) Christmas is weird. (laughs) 
like, why is this bowl full of keys and not candy? I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um... (laughs) Should we talk about some art? Now we've done basically the whole of December Netflix. Uh, So in terms of Christmas art... There's, there's loads of things we could have talked about with Christmas art. There's like wintry scenes and stuff. But we thought Christmas is obviously about the birth of little baby Jesus. But in a lot of art from the medieval period and um, a bit before then, the kind of Byzantine period, baby Jesus is like a little old man. Old man baby Jesus. <laughs> old man baby Jesus. Is Ugly old man baby Jesus. Yeah, baby Jesus often looks like some kind of accountant or like... And also, or just... Basically, we were a bit perturbed by kind of this weird Benjamin Button baby Jesus. (laughs) And we were like, why does he look like this? So we wanted to get to the bottom of it. And also basically just laugh at some weird pictures of baby Jesus (laughs) in the true spirit of Christmas. He looks like he's called Gareth and he's about to give you tips on the best mortgage you can get. Often baby Jesus has some kind of a comb over. (laughs) Or like... We also need to talk about like ripped baby ripped Jesus. Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus, who has clearly just been killing it with the weights. <laughs> yeah. Baby Jesus is like, but how much do you lift, bro? <laughs> In the womb. <laughs> what was what was that tweet? When you've got Ibiza in six weeks, so you've been smashing the gym, gym in the, the womb. <laughs> so like there's these depictions of baby Jesus with a full on six pack and like you know, muscly arms, muscly legs. It's <laughs> it's quite incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of the more disturbing depictions. And let's be honest, throughout our history, there's a lot of ugly depictions of Mary and Jesus. But this particular time frame hates mm. the biscuits. <laughs> so why <laughs> does baby Jesus look like an accountant? Well, there is an important theological idea behind why baby Jesus looks like an accountant. Okay. <laughs> Basically, it's to do with the idea of the homunculus. Okay, what's the homunculus? So homunculus uh, in Latin means little man or like little human. And the reason that baby Jesus is portrayed... <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Could you imagine calling your kid homunculus? So you know the way, when I'm talking to my nephew, I'm like, yes, little man. I imagine just being like, homunculus. <laughs> Maybe try it this Christmas. Hey, homunculus. I'll get kicked out. Yeah, well, especially when you find out more about the idea of like, <laughs> we, trust me, the homunculus thing is, it, it takes a weird turn. Yeah, okay, go on. Yes, the idea is that it means like a little man. People believed that Jesus was born as a kind of fully grown, fully formed human. As in like when he was a baby, he was already all-knowing, wise. He had God's wisdom inside a baby's body. If you think about like how an artist has to try and visually portray that, yeah. how do you portray like a really wise baby? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously with a six-pack. <laughs> yeah, so then they were like, okay, so he has to, we simultaneously have to show that Jesus is human and Jesus is a baby because he's mary's child but also he's like the all-knowing son of god so we have to portray him as like just a tiny old man (laughs) that was like that was like the kind of compromise 
They were like, what's wise, an old man? What's small, a baby? Let's do a really small old man. <laughs> the comb over. Like, it's so someone who literally looks like Shakespeare. I'm just like, what have you done to this baby? It kind of also makes sense, I suppose, when you think about how people worshipped as well. Because I guess if you use icons a lot, in prayer, which in the sort of Byzantine and early medieval periods, iconography was very, very important yeah, yeah. for helping people to worship, especially if you weren't literate. Right. Then you needed to be able to kind of visualise something to be able to pray to it. So people think that actually, in a way, it would be comforting to be able to pray to a baby that like... <laughs> looks wise rather than just so so you'd feel like your prayers were being because in a way making jesus look weird means he's not just a normal baby so like (laughs) it's so freaky though i'm already freaked out when by like adult baby things you know when people make babies talk that freaks me out do you remember that everyone advert where they were all like skating around and no it freaks me out (laughs) or look who's talking yeah even the other day when i bought my nephew a spider-man costume and it had fake muscles in it and he's three right so it's a spider-man costume to fit a three-year-old i was like oh this is weird i don't want a jacked baby running around the house. <laughs> well i'll tell you you did want a jacked baby <laughs> medieval priest yeah that's like the worst of all worlds like, it's literally like the worst of all worlds because you've got absolutely no reason or rationality mixed with a kind of muscle tone that looks like it probably could do you damage if it hit you like a jacked baby is the worst of all toddlers are already bad enough when they throw a tantrum imagine if you had a jacked toddler throwing a tantrum you'd have he'd win every time he'd win every time (laughs) he'd be like sure okay have the chocolate it's fine (laughs) don't throw dumbbells at me i sort of like this is sorry this is a tangent and it's just mean but you know I saw. I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but babies who are fed on SMA often are just like really big. Like I don't okay. know what SMA does to babies, but it like really bulks them out. And there was like a kid that used to live underneath me in my block of flats that was clearly an SMA baby, and I felt like that about him. Like I could feel him. I could hear him like running down the <laughs> corridors, and I was like, I ain't fighting that baby because <laughs> I. I do think about fighting babies regularly. <laughs> Let's take a look at some paintings now, rather than just laughing about <laughs> about all hench babies. <laughs> so I really enjoy this one, which uh, is a painting of the Madonna and Child by Jacopo Bellini, which is from the 15th century. So it's actually uh, a little bit later than some of the ones we're going to be looking at. The sort of the sort of homunculus old man baby Jesus is more of a kind of, like I say, more of a Byzantine medieval thing. So this one's actually quite a late, a late entry, but I really enjoy it because I love the side eye on baby Jesus. Baby Jesus looks so disappointed at us in a way that only a world weary father could really. <laughs> That's hitting me in my soul. Yeah. Side eye baby, baby Jesus. Baby Jesus is not angry. He's just disappointed. <laughs> but I said, to me, he 
really looks like the um this one i'm gonna do a side by side when i share this on instagram he looks so much like the um what's a sad little life jane man from come dine with me it's literally the exact same expression like it's so good also i like that the boob is just out a little bit he's like excuse me i was about to have some I was about to have some milk. About to have some food. You interrupted like, me. When I first saw this photo, I was like, that is... Photo, sorry. When I first saw this painting, oh, yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, that's the exact look the cat gives when you walk in on her, like, licking her bum. Yeah. She was like, how dare you? Yeah. Sorry, I thought you also meant about the monkeys. <laughs> you, you thought they were monkeys in the background, but when you zoom in, they were actually angels. <laughs> It looks like old man baby Jesus drinking milk from Mary's shoulder boob <laughs> surrounded by flying <laughs> monkeys. It's really something to behold. It's the fa- that famous work by Jacopo Bellini. <laughs> um, and also, we all know, you know, the, the, the famous story of Jesus and the flying and monkeys. monkeys. Yeah, that was uh, a very famous parable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed so yeah that is a later one and you can kind of tell by the painting style like it is um in this he actually does look slightly more like an action you gotta take the face out of consideration here and the comb over but like the baby's body actually looks like a baby whereas it's the eyes it's, it's the, all of the it's eyes really disappointing. A, baby, a baby can't pull that expression no. they've not been beaten down by the world enough yet. <laughs> But also the things I love about all of these painters and all of these painters kind of had this have this in common. Mary just looks so over it. Yeah, Mary, Mary is just done. Like, I am done. <laughs> I am like, my baby's ugly. <laughs> Mary is yeah, she's really disappointed at how this whole thing turned out. In this one, she's like, I really didn't think he was gonna put all those monkeys in the background. <laughs> believe how sad she looks in every picture yeah mary is over it like she is okay so if we this one is a lot earlier so you can tell um this one is definitely more of an icon i guess rather than a painting i suppose the way you can really tell the difference is like even today like greek icons and russian icons have a very specific style that hasn't really changed since the byzantine period it's very flat yeah retained that flatness yeah so it's true like byzantine kind of uh icon perspective is very very flat and sometimes almost like tipped the opposite way so like um you see paintings where the buildings are almost going like up rather than away from you and it's like essentially they're trying to like what they're doing i remember i watched a really interesting documentary about this is they sort of they're trying to use like a kind of freaky perspective that is trying to convey like a sort of visual hierarchy rather than trying to portray things realistically so like things might be really big or really small or like up here or down there because they're trying to explain something about the significance of it rather than trying to make it look i don't know realistic so um so yeah and also you can tell by the heavy use of gold as well like there's lots and lots and lots of gold in the background and really intricate designs yeah they're almost like william morrissey in their intricacy they're really really beautiful and actually so i'm a big fan of um 
spe- specifically Russian iconography mm. and leaving aside comb over baby Jesus <laughs> I do actually think this is like a rather beautiful painting so moving yeah, yeah leaving aside comb over baby Jesus and whatever the hell is going on with Mary's boobs yeah <laughs> okay we also need to address Mary's boobs we're going to see this quite a lot um, so as well as somehow not being able to really want to make babies look like babies uh, these painters also don't seem to understand where boobs are supposed to be so they <laughs> or can what shape they're supposed what, to what be what shape they're supposed to be so they seem to uh just pop out of her shoulder or like they come down really low and also i'm always intrigued by how jesus is getting to the boob like how is that dress is there just a boob slit like <laughs> Is that what? The, did maybe, you have like ma- a, a nursing dress? Yeah, that just I was going like to say maybe peek-a-boo. maternity wear was very ahead of its time. Maybe <laughs> so, but Jesus always seems to have. A, he always seems to be coming at the boob from a weird angle. I'd say, <laughs> and I don't know if it's because Mary just has boobs in like really weird places. <laughs> like I'm not sure what is happening, but often the breast is coming out of the shoulder. I mean, we don't know how. That one seems to be shaped like a bottle, like an actual water bottle as well. So yeah, I'm and not she sure also how seems she's to be like, like totally like kind of flat, 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 and then suddenly this boob just kind of sticks out like literally perpendicular to her body, <laughs> yeah. like literally at ninety degrees. <laughs> it's just coming out and somehow maybe you know, that's why she's you, so upset maybe, maybe she's like, like what has what has this birth done to my I'm boobs a freak under these robes <laughs> i'll never get my figure back yeah <laughs> jesus looks a bit like um i had a when when i had a hamster when i was little you had this bottle that had this funny like nozzle yes. that is literally like the angle that jesus is going at the boob from yeah. here it's, it's, oh. it's so strange like why is and why is he looking at us like that I don't like it <laughs> the, all know, the, all, the all knowing gaze yeah <laughs> Mary though looks a bit more she looks she looks a bit less over it here she's looking at you going yeah look at my son he looks like an old man <laughs> she's like you know it I know it she's challenging you if anything she's like and I dare you to tell me he's cute yeah <laughs> <laughs> There are some floating heads uh, in the background. I'm guessing they're like angels or something. And this is firmly in the period that you would expect an old man baby Jesus. So around the kind of late 1300s. This one we're talking about now is by someone called Barnaba de Modena. And yeah, this baby Jesus, again, body of a baby. But yeah, very much the head of an old man. So he's got like white hair and he's kind of balding. (laughs) There's just, there's worse to come. There is worse to come. They definitely give Jesus some, like, male pattern baldness. Oh, my God. That is horrific. Okay. So, this is where we're literally talking about a tiny jacked man. <laughs> like, this is from 1304, this this icon. Jesus literally has veins popping out of his incredibly muscly arms. He's got, like, neck folds. And <laughs> I, like, what is his... Uh, oh, my God. He looks like... um. You know, in Coraline, when they've all got buttons for eyes. Yeah. He looks like he's got button eyes. Like, I... <laughs> That is horrific. That is harrowing. Huge eye bags. (laughs) He desperately needs some vitamin C cream on those. Yeah. That is absolutely... He's just pulled an all-nighter in a hospital. Like, he's... He's done a series of long shifts. He's not okay. (laughs) That is horrific. What painting is that? It's a 1304 icon. And he looks so upset. Yeah. Look at his furrowed brow. Yeah, he (laughs) looks very sick. Mary looks so sad. (laughs) 
<laughs> Again, though, like very decorative gold background. So I guess giving birth to the saviour is not all it's cracked up to be. No. And the comb over every time with the comb over. Yeah. Part of me is beginning to wonder if some of it is a hairstyle. <laughs> but like, those are just some of them. I mean, okay, so in this one, Mary and Jesus look like they've melted. Oh, wow. Also, what is going on with his legs? Are those his legs? Yeah. What is going on with his legs? I don't know. And this is when we're getting more into like the Renaissance when things should be starting to look a bit more realistic. This so, yeah. one is just, to be honest, this one's just freaky. I don't really, I don't even, I don't know what's going on here. This is <laughs> Madonna and Child uh, circa. I think he's actually, the sad thing here is I think he's trying to make him look like a real baby oh, and God. it's just not good. Oh. Yeah, so that's circa 1490. She looks like Daniela Westbrook. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut that. That's Keep it. so Keep bad. It. She does. She does look like Daniela Westbrook. It's so sad. But yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. oh, he's so old there. Yeah, this no, no, one. No, 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 this one. Go up, go up, go up. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's going um, And I like he's just doing a little piece as well. <laughs> it's like piece. But he has, he's, he's so old. He's so old. So he's like, it's like, a, he's just a tiny doll of a like a tiny man doll he looks like he looks like real like middle-aged ken yeah that's the vibe this just looks like a very very old traditional icon from the byzantine period so i would say like yeah probably 1100s 1200s maybe even before he's not a baby he's literally just a tiny old he's a tiny man like every dude in the smoking area all at once (laughs) it's like every old man in the spoons all at once (laughs) i guess another thing you're saying is that why would you depict someone being as in their most perfect form or the prime of their life as like a kind of balding (laughs) balding man ripped baby jesus we can almost understand because he's like a you know the the, it's it's something about physical beauty but old man and like you're saying that in a way this is the pinnacle of man you may not like it but this is peak performance (laughs) exactly (laughs) and um but we were saying that actually, I suppose in a period where lots of people died very young, maybe it would be quite impressive or quite awe-inspiring or comforting to see someone with a receding hairline. <laughs> if actually that strikes you with awe and comfort I wonder, and consolation. I, so I wonder who is painting this. And I don't know. I mean, I a lot of these like, really old ones, you just don't know. You have no idea. I wonder if like some monks were kind of doing propaganda for themselves and they were literally like, this is the pinnacle of manhood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's what the baby Jesus looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so another interesting thing about the theory of the homunculus is actually this gets us more into the kind of weird and wacky side of the homunculus because it comes from this idea known as pre-formationism, which is where... People believed that, in a way, you you were basically created fully formed. In a sense, this isn't just special to Jesus. This is like a kind of a wider theory. And (laughs) some paintings you see with Mary, uh, uh, like a beam of light coming from heaven. And if you look really carefully in the beam of light, there's like a tiny baby like flying (laughs) towards her. So it's almost like um, that, like God has just beamed out a baby, <laughs> like like a spaceship. It just gets beamed out Incredible. towards Mary. So um, yeah, I've, so there's a couple of paintings. So this one is Pacino di Bonaguida, and it's a detail from a painting called The Tree of Life. And 
What I like is that he's visually explained this by having God holding a little picture of Jesus and then that is shooting a beam of light towards Mary (laughs) while Gabriel is explaining to Mary what is happening which is that she will have baby Jesus and then if you actually look really close in the beam of light you can see like a baby literally shooting towards her So it's like it's kind of incredible, but again, like this is this is this is. They just entered for her ear. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. So a lot of the time, yeah, you can see it's coming towards her head because like she's hearing it. Whoa! Who are these two nuns getting off of each other? Oh no! So this is like a couple in bed, but no, 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 no. Go up, up. Oh, that. These guys are just slightly getting off of each other. Oh, no. I think what that would be, I think that is the visitation, which is where Mary meets her cousin, who... And cheekily gets off of her. I think they're just saying hi. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it's to do with... Because they're pregnant at the same time. And the story is Mary's pregnant with Jesus. What's her name? I think Elizabeth, is it? Is pregnant with John the Baptist. Right. And they say hi. And apparently the two babies get like excited and say hi to each other right, as well okay. <laughs> but you see here again like this one isn't actually even religion religious it's just an illumination from a manuscript and the holy trinity are just happily overseeing a couple getting pregnant and the baby <laughs> is just shooting through, the air. shooting through the air like a like <laughs> He's just been catapulted at this couple. The next time any child asks me where babies come from, this is the story I'm giving them. (laughs) They shoot through the air like they've been catapulted. (laughs) God, This is a 12th century painting of Mary, again, being told she's going to have Jesus. And there's this time the beam of light has a dove in it. But you can see that what she's holding in her hand is like near to her heart is some kind of weird red embryonic blob, some kind of umbilical cord. Oh yeah, and also if you go down, what is happening there? If you go down to the very zoomed in, what's this? Oh yes, that's the baby. That's the that's, that's in a yeah. very shady kind of grey. Yeah, she's hot. It's like she's hot. It's like a kind of ghost baby it's over like she's her body. Holding, yeah. There's various ways they would actually portray the the baby himself. <laughs> Look how freaked out she is. <laughs> to be fair, if somebody <laughs> shot a baby into my ear, I wouldn't be having any You're of like, it either. A ghost baby? What's this red thing? Why is there a why is there a dove flying at me? <laughs> so yeah, there's various this but there's so many examples of like tiny babies flying through the air as well. And it's all to do with yeah, this idea. So preformationism and the homunculus is quite interesting because it wasn't only talked about in a religious context. Actually, this period and a little bit after, it's talked about in a kind of um like to do with alchemy as well. It wasn't just God who could create a homunculus in the form of jesus people thought that they actually could create their own little people using alchemy and they thought this because with pre-formationism in essence they believed that essentially men's sperm did a lot of the legwork in in the creation of all creatures so they believed that all <laughs> sperm essentially if you zoomed in really really close on a sperm you would see a little tiny person inside the sperm so essentially you were you but just minuscule and you just needed to be 
like socks that you that are vacuum packed and then you put them in water <laughs> yeah. and they get bigger or like baby aliens yeah. or something or sea monkeys sea essentially monkeys. you're like a sea monkey you're like freeze dried and then someone needs to put you in water and then you become... and then you expand into a human so but they believed because of that you could actually create people through alchemy and you didn't have to use a woman as like the 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 the, the mother the medieval text is called the Liber Vacae, or Book of the Cow. Um, and essentially it helps you with some make-your-own-homunculus recipes. Okay, so a magician's semen. A sunstone. A sunstone. Some animal bloods. A cow, a cow or, or you. you. A sulfur. A magnet. <laughs> sulfate of iron. And a large glass or lead vessel. So... So do they have sex with a cow at any point? Uh, well... You can just, you have to somehow inseminate the cow or you. So I imagine you have some kind of turkey baster type situation. Mix the semen and the sunstone and inseminate the cow. Carefully plug the animal's vagina with the sunstone. <laughs> Smear the animal's I genitals. I feel like this was just some fucking weirdo that was way too <laughs> into cows. And he was like, no, 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 no. It's magic. It's magic. It's magic. Look, I'm an alchemist. It's got nothing to do with me wanting to touch cow's vaginas. Nothing at all. <laughs> but place the artificially inseminated animal inside a dark house where the sun never shines. <laughs> Feed the cow or you exclusively on the blood of another animal you do something here which is totally unrelated to the last few steps you like prepare some weird powder stir it with the sap of a white willow and then what do you do just chuck it out the window like <laughs> oh here we go no the that's cow- for oil in the cow oh god <laughs> at this point the text indicates the cow or you should give birth and the resulting unformed substance should be placed Oh, I see. So basically, at this point, it's still not properly created. The cow or you has just, like, kind of helped to sort of half-bake this weird creature. And it's going to come out as, like, a weird embryo blob. Then you put it in the magic powder. And you keep it in a large glass or lead container for three days. At which point, you have to feed it the blood of its decapitated mother to keep it strong. How did this make it into a book? Yeah, I, I don't feel know. Like, I feel like after the first... <laughs> The first time you tried and failed at this, you might be like, I'm not onto a winner here. It's like somebody, you know, when you're a kid and you get all the stuff from the bathroom to make potions and you're like, this potion's going to do whatever. It's going to make my sister go away. Or yeah. Somebody's like taken that and put it in a book, essentially, yeah. and just gone, this is what's going to happen now. I've done magic. Yeah. And then I guess if you wanted to ask why (laughs) why would you do this um according to this book having a little homunculus running around would be very useful for your for your everyday like medieval alchemist this is very strange if it is placed on a white cloth with a mirror in its hands and suffumigated with a mixture of human blood and other ingredients the moon will appear to be full on the last day of the month so i guess if you really want a full moon you would do that if it is decapitated and its blood is given to a man to drink, the man will assume the form of a bovine or sheep. So what? You, <laughs> you'd literally go to all this trouble just to decapitate the little thing, and then make this make someone look like a cow. I don't understand. If he is anointed with it, he will have the form of an ape. If the homunculus is fed for forty days in a dark house on a diet of blood and milk, and then its guts are extracted from its belly and rubbed onto someone's hands and feet, he may walk on water or travel around the world in the winking of an eye. 
kept alive for a year if the guy lasts this long if he's not used for all of these purposes <laughs> and then placed in a bath of milk and rainwater it will tell things that happen far away okay so basically pre like the news you would you, you would, would have a you would try and create a homunculus to tell you what is going on this is gonna be my next lockdown project <laughs> i'm done with banana bread i'm making a homunculus <laughs> Somebody get me a cow. It just doesn't make any sense. Guys just have sex. What are you doing? But I think, yes, the idea is they were blending like chemistry, philosophy, religion, superstition, the occult. And at the time, there's ways in which religion and superstition overlapped. There's lots of ways in which religion and science overlapped. Not that this is Mm -hmm. really science. But you can see how (laughs) in medieval logic, the idea that you could be a fully formed person before you're even born, which is an idea that is very strongly rooted in Catholic tradition, the idea that uh, your existence begins at conception, means that you do come out like you are already a fully formed person. So I guess alchemists were just trying to find different ways to like... (laughs) make people but i guess but it says here that essentially a little homunculus person wouldn't really they wouldn't be like foot they wouldn't have a whole soul or anything but Mm. i guess they would just be kind of useful to have around (laughs) there's it's not incredibly clear why you would want to do this it just seems like people were trying to figure out if it was kind of possible i think someone was like if i just put some spunk in a sheep what would happen I'm telling you, I'm telling you, somebody, somebody has had a taste for the for the farmyard animals, and, and they, they were, were trying just trying to, to just, justify it. Like, no, 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 it's all science. <laughs> uh, it's a science project. <laughs> Someone's like, okay, well then, write your findings from your science project. Okay, well, in the if it is uh, mixed with the blood of a sheep in a full moon, then you can make a man look like an ape. <laughs> so weird. There are just some other fun kind of like medieval beliefs which I thought would be quite interesting to like talk through. So one that is really interesting is this idea of the medieval bestiary and animals that medieval people believed had parallels with religious stories. And the one that I found really interesting was and thought was like really kind of like linked well to what we're talking about today is that for medieval people, the vulture is the most natural animal to represent the Virgin Mary. (laughs) Of course it is. Of course it is. So why is it the most natural animal? (laughs) Because, as we all know, and as all medieval people knew, vultures, female vultures, can have babies without needing to have sex with the male. Of course, how did I forget that? Yeah, like obviously, like we all know that that's how it works, right? Now every medieval person knew that, you know, (laughs) that's just how vultures roll. Observing like I don't what I love about all of these oh god is there anything even vaguely resembling that in the way vultures make babies no No. that's what I love I love about medieval bestries is that everything about these comparisons makes total sense if any of those aspects was actually correct which is just not like every single one so there are so many so there's the vulture is like Mary 
because vultures don't have sex to have babies like how Mary didn't need to have sex to have a baby. Makes total yeah, sense. Yeah, makes total sense. Um, there's the pelican is like Jesus Christ because the pelican feeds its children its own blood. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it, it does and that's why it's like Jesus, okay? <laughs> Right? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Take it all back. In fact, it gets a bit more complicated than that. I was reading into it. So with the pelican, it was to do with the fact that the pelican actually kills its own children, but can but then brings its children back to life with its own blood. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that only makes sense. Yeah, the blood of Christ, but none of that happens. No. And then the elephant is supposed to represent uh, Adam. Uh, elephant and its mate represent Adam and Eve because, um, <laughs> because basically, oh, this is so complicated. So, oh God, they had all of this mad. This one is really confusing, actually, because <laughs> so it all starts with the fact that they just believed elephants didn't have knees. <laughs> So the story just gets more convoluted. <laughs> so basically, to avoid falling, elephants have to like lean against a tree while they sleep. And to capture an elephant, if you wanted to try and catch one, what you could do is you could actually like chop the tree down and the elephant while sleeping would fall over and then bam, you've got an elephant because it can't get up again. Would it not be easier to pull the elephant over? That's and also cook. an option. <laughs> but essentially, the story then goes... Bam, you've got an elephant. <laughs> what are you going to do with that elephant? <laughs> We've not really got that far. Medieval people... <laughs> How the hell does this relate to Adam and Eve? We're getting there. Um, this one's really got quite a convoluted run-up to, to the Adam <laughs> okay. and Eve bit. So what they then believed uh, was that when you've... When you've when the elephant's fallen over, uh, what would happen is it would go, oh no, and it would like cry out and try and get help from some other elephants. Now, a large elephant would come along and try to lift it up, but fail. And in some accounts, 12 elephants would then come and try and lift it up again and also fail. I don't know what the hunter's done by this point. <laughs> and finally, what happened? Also, 12 elephants could lift a tree. I just... <laughs> very upset by all of this yeah and then apparently what then happens at the end is that a little elephant comes along and succeeds in raising the fallen elephant now there's that bit but there's also a so oh god this is so complicated so then like the big elephant that couldn't raise up the other elephant represents the law which couldn't raise up mankind from sin the 12 elephants couldn't do it, which represent the prophets. But the little elephant is Christ, who succeeded in raising the fallen. So, like, the original elephants who fell over were, like, Adam and Eve, because they right. fell. And also, there's, like, a bit of clever theology, because if you chop the elephant down, it basically fell because of, like, a tree, like the tree of knowledge. Yeah. This is all a bit of a stretch, obviously, <laughs> what we're doing here. And then um, it also apparently another thing that people seemed to know about elephants that we clearly don't know today is that apparently male elephants are reluctant to mate. And when the female wants children, she and the male have to travel to the east to eat some mandrake. 
And then the female elephant will eat some mandrake and then give some to the other elephant. Right, okay. Which is a bit like how Eve tries to give right, the yeah, a- yeah. apple to Adam. They mate and the female immediately conceives. So for, for elephants, like, mandrake is like a massive aphrodisiac, right, clearly. Okay. Um, I like that they're so conscious. They can, like... Yeah. Take their mate on a trip. They're like... <laughs> Fix their mate a nice meal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really get them in the mood. But so there's a lot... So basically there's just a lot of complicated logic leading to like why they believed certain This things. is why I kind of love the medieval so periods. I. Because like... I just feel like they were just making shit up and it was great. Yeah. Like, and it, just, it, and it all just made like... It all made perfect sense. Like... <laughs> As long as any of those elements were right. And none of them are. But that's also great. None of it was right. I love it so much. Mm. Medieval vestry was like, I first learned about this um, at uni when I was studying some, when I was doing medieval literature. And when, when, when our tutor told us about it, she was just going through all of them. She was like, so the elephant's basically like Adam, right? <laughs> and then the vulture's like Mary because like they don't have sex and like Mary doesn't have sex. You know what I mean. And then the pelicans like this one. We were just like, what? What? (laughs) None of this makes any sense. I also love that we advertise this as an art history podcast, but it seems to be increasingly just becoming a medievalist podcast. Yeah, weird (laughs) weird medieval facts podcast. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, so that's kind of a very roundabout way of explaining some of the logic that goes into how certain things are like represented in some some really really early it is art really, it is really interesting though because like this is off, i've i've not known about the reasoning behind ugly old man ripped baby jesus yeah um but i've known about ugly old man ripped baby jesus for a really long time and you do spend a lot of time staring at paintings going what yeah <laughs> like, why and it, it's sort of comforting to know that there is method behind the madness it's like there is some sort the... of logic it's not just that they don't know what babies look like <laughs> although there is absolutely no excuse for medieval cats like yeah, it's true. if they come along and go like actually it's because cats have souls and that's why we gave them really weird faces it's like no nah, i think that's nah. you just can't draw cats cats with human faces so all of them every no maybe not all of them but a lot of medieval paintings of cats cats look like your man from sons of anarchy clay <laughs> they all look like clay from sons of anarchy yes. go back look at them he really does look like a really he looks there are, there are actually real life cats who look like clay <laughs> from sons of anarchy god what's his name in real life that actor ron pelman ron pelman <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but yeah oh ripped baby jesus it's just it also suggests here that not only what we were saying before about the idea of the tiny little the tiny little baby man was to do with preformationism and that idea of like medieval reproductive ideas but also that showing strong ripped babies was a way of showing a strong role model for children so these idea that they were like perfect examples of if i met that kid in the nursery <laughs> i'd keep my i'd keep my kid hella away from that kid i'd be like no 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 you're not mixing with that kid that kid ain't coming over for play dates <laughs> but, but the idea is that they're like a great example of a strong and healthy person because right, i suppose you know lots of medieval children didn't make it to adulthood so maybe that gave them yeah a bit of a something to look forward to and yeah again this ties into the the other theory was that 
you're portraying them as strong and healthy because not just for children but i suppose for adults as well because uh according to certain studies of the medieval period one in four children didn't even make it to their first birthday yeah. so showing showing children as tiny adults is kind of a a way of saying oh they might actually make it to yeah adulthood and they might be strong and stuff there's a few other bits to it so as ideas about childhood generally because i suppose in medieval times childhood was pretty short yeah. people grew up fast because people didn't live for very long i get well there was not that there just must not have been any idea of teenage evil because that is yeah. very much a modern phenomenon so you didn't have a grace period you were child then adult i think so yeah when you were sexually mature that's kind of it yeah you're basically an adult but then also this idea of so we talk a bit about this in the um again in the hieronymus bosch episode actually if you go back changing ideas about what art could be i think is what started to move that artistic change towards portraying jesus as an actual baby (laughs) and not as a tiny little man Um, (laughs) particularly because people started to paint a lot more like non-religious subjects and went for like ancient greek or roman subjects the the interest was much more in like humanism and the idea of knowledge and understanding the human body as well and being able to portray it accurately mm. and showing it for what it is in order to show your like artistic skill and your knowledge of the human anatomy as opposed to like your religious knowledge or your religious your what's the word your 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 capability of like representing things to explain a bigger religious yeah. meaning so you're just showing things for what they are because that is a skill in itself at but that time. I also think it's interesting what we place kind of emphasis on in different different time periods or or what we what we consider valuable. I mean people who are really into the baby Jesus and for me I feel like people who are really into the baby Jesus tend to be quite evangelical. Like mm. it, it's still a really big big deal in like evangelical religions. And I think a lot of that is based on this idea of purity. Mm. And so actually what represents purity better than a genuine baby? Like, yeah. um, whereas obviously in medieval times, that's not what the value was placed on. The the value was placed on wisdom. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's really interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. It's interesting when you see like the, I think art and the church as well, that it, it did start to, you did start to see like a shift once you get to like the Renaissance period and beyond you're right the the church started to actually become much more interested in christ's childhood Mm. and what that meant so rather than skipping ahead to when he became an adult and when he became wise they were like well what could what does the childhood of the most holy person look like he must have been the purest child and surely he's the, the, the model of innocence and purity and stuff so yeah and so portraying jesus as like a baby became a way of tapping into that a lot more and then yeah if you wanted to show jesus as wise and all-knowing they tended to just show jesus more like in action when he was older so like preaching or walking on water or whatever yeah so yeah it's interesting how like actually (laughs) the reason that medieval artists were doing what they were doing is because they were actually trying to compress a lot of ideas into one painting yeah and also because iconography has a lot of very fixed rules i think Mm mm-hmm 
of how you depict things. And that's why you can spot it straight away. Like, the moment you see iconography, you know mm. it's iconography. You don't have to think about it. There's no, oh, it could be this or it could be it. You're just, that's iconography. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you see an expressionist painting and you're like, oh, it could be expressionist <laughs> or it could be, yeah. Whereas, yeah, iconography has like, no, nah, that is what it is. Yeah. But I think that means that once Renaissance artists started to kind of break free of a lot of those moulds, they just became a lot more experimental with how they could represent things. So then they got a bit more creative with showing different episodes from Jesus's life. I mean, in a sense that they, they were trying to think outside of the rules of mm-hmm. what had been sort of been prescribed before. But then that meant also that, that they could represent people a lot more realistically, I suppose, as well. Because again, you weren't you weren't sticking with rules around a particular aesthetic or anything. You were looking more at like perspective and yeah, uh, portraying the body accurately and yeah. So I guess that's 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 why you see this uh, this change. <laughs> Sorry, as you sc- as I'm scrolling through these pictures, I'm just seeing like a whole gallery of of little <laughs> like Jesus and just every I, just, I really feel for Mary she's so forlorn in all of these pictures I what just... does she look like in that one with the ripped baby let's have a look she's having a terrible time <laughs> I think here she's looking really sad because she's like I had to push that out I know and also could you imagine like if he's got a body like that what what are his teeth like she's got a breastfeed <laughs> <laughs> you're a fully grown man <laughs> impacted wisdom teeth <laughs> <laughs> some historians thought that i mean bearing in mind in terms of the, the idea of a medieval childhood people were engaged to be married like people got married at like princesses and stuff got married off at like age five or whatever oh, to yeah. actual adults it's the there's some theories that um medieval children might have been considered to be full adults from like the age of seven they considered seven the age of reason when a child would be held responsible for their sins because they were viewed as small adults from an early stage of life oh yeah so i suppose then it it makes sense that you would portray them as small adults in in um in paintings yeah to kind of um look at the idea of adult baby jesus as a whole there's so many reasons that would feed into why you would portray the, the son of God in this way. Like it taps into medieval ideas about creation and how people are born. <laughs> the little tiny people inside, <laughs> little in little tiny sperms, like like the little homer like sperms. Like the little homer sperms. Yeah, there's a scene in The Simpsons. <laughs> I can't even remember what it relates to, but they zoom in on Homer's sperm, and they've all just got Homer's head, and they're like <laughs> they're swimming around, and they're like bumping into each other. <laughs> so there's that. There's the fact that medieval children were required to grow up quickly. There's the fact that medieval families knew that lots of children didn't grow up at all so Mm. um actually something in having adult babies painted was aspirational aspirational yeah and then also it's a way of basically visually trying to explain the fact that jesus was simultaneously a baby and a human but also divine and all-knowing and incredibly wise all at the same time what we can't explain is Mary's boobs. Why are they on her shoulder? Why are they on her shoulders? <laughs> why in one of them does Mary have massive pecs and then a cone boob? And why is baby Jesus 
a baguette. I mean, we'll share that one because <laughs> we cannot explain that one at all. Why does Mary look so sad? <laughs> if I ever get to just live my life and not worry about money at all and do whatever I want, I think I'm going to do a PhD on Mary's boobs. Mary's like, boob placement. Why Mary's boob placement throughout history and why it's been <laughs> placed in various... <laughs> the theory would be <laughs> lift and separate the placement of Mary's boobs <laughs> in medieval iconography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, like, why they're coming out of her shoulders. There is absolutely no theological explanation for that at all. Um, Wait until my PhD drops. <laughs> Hottest PhD of the decade. Yeah. We hope that kind of, like, gives you a bit of an insight into what we think is kind of a Christmassy subject. Yeah. Baby Jesus. The little baby Jesus. <laughs> little baby Jesus. Like I say, I feel like if you'd followed a star and you travelled for miles and miles and miles... <laughs> saw that! And then you turned up and found Benjamin Button, you'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is our Lord and Saviour! <laughs> yeah! And he'd just be like, hello. I, for one, welcome our stacked overlord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then also it's what baby Jesus like, with a tartan blanket sucking on a Werther's original. Just like... <laughs> Baby Jesus, really into daytime telly. <laughs> baby, baby, baby Jesus, Jesus. loves Bargain Hunt. Loves the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> yeah, oh. like, I don't know. It it does seem, like, I guess to, to, to modern day, it does seem weird. Yeah. But not more freaky than, I guess, angels being spinning discs covered in eyes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's lots of things in the Bible which, in a way, I think a medieval brain could comprehend better than we could could. because they're kind of just more chill with the weirdness they're a bit like oh sure yeah baby jesus was an old man angels were spinning discs with eyes on there were very few humanoid like angels in the bible but like (laughs) it's stacked old man ugly baby (laughs) jesus is not in the bible (laughs) (laughs) i I am trying i'm trying to i think i'm trying to defend the undefensible Like, they just needed to move on and get into perspective and realism. Like, stat. (laughs) I guess on that note, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Yeah, Merry Christmas. And we'll see you in the new year. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe and leave a review as it makes a huge difference. And if you want to follow us, you can find us on Facebook at Is It Art Though? Spelt T-H-O. Instagram, Is It Underscore Art Though? And Twitter, Is It Art Though One? See you next time.